0: Welcome back to Walking with Jesus podcast with Pastor Joe. Today will be the start of a new series titled Knowing Jesus' Heart. Join us today as we listen and learn what God has put on Pastor Joe's heart to share with us today. To learn more about Walking with Jesus podcast and how you can support our church build and join our community, just continue listening after the message or simply find us online at beaumontfmc.org let's also ask holy spirit to speak to our hearts through this message and help us to live it out to share with the world now here's knowing jesus's heart part one with pastor joe
1: so uh, i want to start a series on uh the seven churches of revelation Right. and uh, you forgive me i i really got to train myself to say revelation Because my reflex is to say revelations, and it's not revelations, it's revelation, right? We all make that mistake. But um, in doing the research for this uh, series, I've kind of found that um, there's more information on this book than we could ever, ever talk about, right? So you forgive me if I skip over some things or maybe don't touch on some Parts that you said, hey, no, but I read this, or I learned that, or I learned the other thing. You know, I know, so, you know, I have some people that are like uh, my, my sermon guards. I hear from them, right? You, you didn't preach this right, or you, you you didn't say this area, and you know, they 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 send me texts and stuff. And so, um, if I don't cover something that you're interested in. Um, maybe you could find a CD collection from someone else that could entertain you that way. But I'm going to bring to you what the Holy Spirit has given to me. Do we have a deal? And um, so one of the greatest writings in the entire world is the book of Revelation. This book has been read and studied and um, dissected by countless number of people throughout all the millennia. Many see a dark and gloomy outcome for all mankind through reading this book. But the book of Revelation reveals to us something much more than that. Something more than just the world and its destruction and coming to an end. What we actually see, what's actually revealed to us is the heart of Christ the heart of the resurrected Jesus Christ for those of us that he has left behind and that he has promised to return and gather one day. It shows and reveals to us Jesus' heart as he commands John to write down these things you see for the seven churches of Asia Minor. Seven churches. These seven churches are living under an anti-Christian Roman Empire. So here he reveals to us the mind and the heart of Jesus. And how he deals with his people who are struggling through the Middle Of the persecution that's going on. And we'll talk more about that. As we take the next few weeks. Right. We'll go into the journey. Of what it is that John hears. From the Lord. For the churches. And how we. Can then in turn. Know Jesus's heart. Now. I know that. We would think that what Jesus is would need an S there. But when you spell Jesus and you put that comma, that naturally spells G or, or is pronounced Jesus. You don't put an extra S behind it. So for the first, um, this uh, book of Revelation. First of all, let's get a little history on it. It was written in 95 or AD 95, right? AD that stands for Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And it was written by John the most beloved apostle of Jesus. At the time of Jesus' ministry on earth, he was the youngest of the 12. He was the upstart. He was the, the guy after Jesus' tale, wherever he went. But by the time we get to the book of Revelation, John is an old man. And has seen a lot. There's... Um, Tradition tells us that John was actually boiled in hot oil to kill him and survived and because of this was then sent to the island of Patmos. Patmos, an island near Greece, he was sent there for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ And this island, unless you were growing rocks, you couldn't really grow anything else at that time. It was barren. There was nothing on it. And unless you had friends or family that would come and bring you provisions, you would have surely died. So all these things take place as um, the emperors of Rome changed from bad to worse. See, there was an emperor called Nero who came into power. He was not friendly towards Christians. He begins to find different ways to persecute the Christians. As a matter of fact, we're told that in 64 AD, there's a giant fire in Rome. The city's almost completely destroyed. Um, History tells us That this was Nero that did it. He wanted to clear out the ghettos. And he wanted to redo Rome to his style. With new homes and new houses. And so he had it burnt. But since the backlash was um, so tremendous, he blamed the enemy of the people. He blamed the Christians. He said the Christians did it. And this started a genocide towards this group of people where in the arena of Rome, Christians were put into it and wild animals were allowed to have their way with Christians, tearing them apart. As a matter of fact, it got so depraved that Christians would be dipped in tar, hung on poles and caught on fire to light up the streets of Nero's Rome. Now, if you go to Rome and you take the tour. I mean, right now they're probably closed because of COVID. But if you take the tour of the Roman uh, Colosseum in Rome, they won't bring up the Christians. <laughs> were are tortured and killed there. It's amazing how this is being buried under the ground. They won't talk about it. And if you bring it up, they'll say, well, there wasn't really much proof. Well, why don't you do some DA ex- uh, examinations on the soil there and see how much blood you get from there. And if it's human or what, you know. But this is the plight of the Christians back then. This is the, the world that Christians are finding themselves in. And this is where what brings John to the island of Patmos. Where he says that he is there on the Lord's day, and he is in the Spirit praying. Let's read that. Let's let's get into this. Right, that in the midst of uh, all this backdrop, in the midst of all this drama, this is where the apostle is writing the vision that God has given him. He's, he's writing it down, and he says in Revelation chapter one, Revelation chapter one, verse one and three, and. I'm going to try to get through this chapter, guys, so please be patient with me, okay? The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to show His servant what must soon take place. So, this revelation is coming from whom? Jesus. Right? The revelation is from whom? Jesus. Jesus, right? Okay, we read on. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John. Who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. What is written within it. Because the time is near. Blessed is the one who reads these words aloud. Right now we are blessed by God. For just reading this. You don't have to send it to 10 people. You don't have to forward it. You don't have to share it. You don't have to send a chain letter. You don't have to do anything like that to be blessed. You are blessed by reading God's word of what he has for you and me. See, John goes on on the, on the following verses. He, 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 he testifies that these letters for these seven churches of Asia Minor... That Jesus is giving him this vision. That Jesus is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. What's that mean? He was the first to be resurrected by the power of God. The ruler of the kings of the earth. We're going to get into that a little more. And then we're told in verses 7 and 8. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. I'm going to stop there for a second. Because this confirms what we read in Matthew 24 verse 23. When it tells you that if they say look there's the Messiah. Look there's the Messiah. It tells us don't believe it. For all I will see him. This is the confirmation. Even those that have pierced him he says. He continues and all people on earth will mourn because of him so shall it be and he ends it with an exclamation amen let it be that way verse 8 i am the alpha and the omega says the lord who is who was and who is to come the almighty don't you love that who is who was and is to come what a powerful statement In reading this, it reminds me of a video I saw of a man who did a survey in Jerusalem. He did not talk about Jesus. He didn't mention Jesus. But he wanted to see the state of the Israelites, of the Jews of today. And what they think of the Messiah. What would he look like? I mean, because they're still waiting for a Messiah. They're still waiting. They're not accepting Jesus. So they're looking for the next guy that comes up the pike. And so the question to street people was, um, what sign or how will you know that the Messiah has come? And he got all kinds of different answers, right? Um, Some said he's going to come powerful like King David and he's going to kill and destroy the enemies of Israel. I mean, that's what they wanted Jesus to do with the Romans, right? Jesus came with peace. And sacrifice, they didn't accept that. So they're still waiting for some guy to come in with a sword and slice everybody up and be their Messiah. But what really got to me was this, that some actually said that the Messiah is not a person. It's not a man. The Messiah is going to be an idea or a way of life. That when people would live in peace and respect each other and all of that, that that's a proof. That's the Messiah. That the Messiah is a happening, you know, peace and love and all of that stuff. And it's amazing that these are the Jews, the people who have God's scriptures. But, you know, we're told that the Messiah, the Messiah was real. The Messiah was not a fable. The Messiah was not a thing that happened. He was physical. He was a man. He was pierced. You can't pierce a rumor. Something real and tangible. So here are the Christians of John's day. Going through the worst time of their lives. If ever they needed to hear a message That Jesus Christ is still alive was there and then. That Jesus was powerful. That Jesus had power over the kings of the earth. They needed to hear that message. Is this the news? Is this the message that we need to hear today in our lives? Is this a message for today that Jesus is still alive, that Jesus is still in power, that Jesus is still the king over the kings of the earth? I'd say yes. I mean, many may call themselves kings or presidents or rulers or dictators. But Jesus is the only one that contains or that has the title of being king of kings. So John begins this letter by quoting Jesus himself. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the first and the last. See, isn't it great to know that Jesus has the last word on everything. You know. Um, have, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, the buck stops here? Right? That, that's a phrase that was popularized through uh, President Harry Truman. Harry Truman had a plaque sitting on his desk in the Oval Office that read, the buck stops here. And um, that signifies the idea that the President is the last one to make the decisions and he's the last one responsible for those decisions. And I I don't want to argue that point. But I want to tell you this. That the buck doesn't stop with any man or woman. The buck stops with Jesus. Because he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end of all things. He has the final word. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So we'll read on. Verse 9. I, John your brother and companion in the sufferings and kingdom and patient endurance that that is ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the law of the word of God so he's he's there because of what preaching the word of God listen i got to be careful how i say this cuz i don't want to offend anybody but the truth is we christians in america have had it fairly easy Compared to what these ancient brothers and sisters, and compared to some in other countries right now, are going through. I mean, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not categorize it, categorize it as uh, um, non persecution. It's still persecution when 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 you're put into a corner, when you're not listened to, when you're made to be uh, 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 the the ignorant enemy of the people. That's a persecution. We haven't suffered physical persecution. The way we've seen in other places. And we've had it fairly easy. And for the most part. Preaching the truth of the gospel. Will get you in trouble. With a world system. That does not want to live up. To what God requires of us. See, with the Romans at that time, you were fine as long as you accepted all the other nonsense and craziness that they accepted. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. As as long as you paid your dues to their gods, to their ways of doing things, to what they accepted, to what they call proper, you were shut out if you didn't do that. And then it just went from worse to bad. Because then they weren't just shut out. When they got a ruler. When they got someone in power. That could rule them. In the way they thought. It went from saying you're wrong. To saying now we're going to kill you. For saying what you said. Listen. As God speaks to his church. through the book of Revelation. What he's trying to show his church. Is that even in the midst of all of this. Even in the midst of the trial. Even in the midst of the persecution. Jesus does not stop being king. Amen. Amen. Only to the hearts that turn away from him. Then he will stop being their king. And they won't find deliverance from him. Let's move on. 10. On the Lord's right? He was there, uh, the testimony for Jesus Christ. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. So he's on the Lord's day. Wait, when, he, when was he there? On the Lord's day. When? the Lord's, the Lord's day. day. When? The Lord's day. The Lord's day, right? And he's in the spirit and he's praying and he's seeking God. I mean, he's seeking God why? Where is he at? Exile. What's happening to the church? Persecution. See, God doesn't send these kinds of messages to His church when when everything's hunky-dory and we feel we don't need God. We'll we'll hear some of that as we go into the churches. Of what God is speaking to His churches. as As we go into that study, we'll see how God feels. What is the heart of Jesus towards those things? He was there in the Lord's day. He was in the Spirit. I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet which said, Write on the scroll what you see. And send it to the seven churches. Show the picture of the seven churches there. See there, what? the seven churches. Oh, wait. Wrong picture. There you go, the seven churches. All right, so here are the seven churches. This is a, a map. We'll probably see this in the future again. They're all there, right? Oh, it's cutting. Is it cutting? No, no it's not no. cutting them. They're all seven, there, right? Yeah, yeah. okay, good. And so, um, these, these seven churches were, um, in the Western part of Turkey, what we call Turkey today. At that time, it was Asia Minor run by the Roman empire. Um, did, you know, we call Israel the Holy land and it is right. It's the Holy land. Right. But did you know that over 60% of the places mentioned in the Bible are located in Turkey? 60% of the places mentioned in the Bible are located in Turkey. God working, right? God working powerfully. So, this is what we're going to be studying, where we're going to be walking through these churches and what the Holy Spirit had to say to each one of those churches. 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. Almost like the voice, right? The chair turns around. Didn't make that connection. Okay. Um... And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like the son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was as white as wool and as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing water. What a description. I mean, I turn around and I see something like that. I would be running. (laughs) Right? He describes this Jesus with hair as white as snow. Like, wool. you know that the prophet Daniel in in Daniel chapter 7. He speaks of the ancient of days, and he has uh, a hair white as wool. So this shows us a similarity, right? That the it's like Jesus told Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. Isn't that amazing? The Bible it confirms itself. It confirms itself. Anyway. So he sees this, and he sees this white hair, and, and what does that symbolize? Well, that symbolizes um, um, the idea that, that it resembles God, it resembles God's eternal eternity, it resembles the idea that God um, is uh, dignified, that he is, uh, uh, that he has authority, that he's pure, and most of all that he's glorious. 16. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. Double-edged sword. Hebrews chapter four, twelve. It confirms this when it tells us that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating, dividing even soul and spirit, joint and marrow. He judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Isn't that amazing? You know, as I was studying this, it talks about lampstands, it talks about stars, and like everybody's getting into this whole mystic stuff, and all the lampstands and this and that. But we're going to see something as we go on here. All right, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Verse 16, it continues by telling us, his face was like sun shining in all its brilliance. I'm going to stop here for a minute. See, this is John. John, the apostle writing this. John, the youngest disciple of Jesus at that time. John, who used to fall asleep with his head on Jesus' chest. Innocent, pure love. This is John, who saw the face of Jesus as he smiled, and he picked up the children, and he said, Let the children come to me. This is John who saw the face of Jesus excited as he fed the multitudes with miracles. This is John who saw the face of Jesus beaten, battered, bruised with a crown of thorns on it. John who saw the face of Jesus agonizing, hanging on the cross. John who saw the face of Jesus Who turns to him and says, take care of my mom. The face of Jesus that he saw when he rose from the dead and he saw him in his glory go up to heaven. And now John sees another face of Jesus. A face shining so bright that it pierces through the eyes and straight to the heart. I think that's amazing my friends 17 when I saw him I fell at his feet as though I was dead then he placed his right hand on me and said I, I, I don't have a pause here but I have to pause the, the right hand of God in the Bible always represents God's power and authority where does Jesus sit the right hand, the right hand of the Father right And so he picks them up by the right hand. Authority, power, picks them up. And and here's another thing. He says, do not be afraid. It seems like every message that I've been preaching here in this church, I haven't done it purposely, but every time I get to these verses, it's either do not fear, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. God is sending a continual message to us. Are we listening? Because there are many more things that we need to be careful about than just coronavirus. There are things coming down the road for the church that we are going to need heavy prayer about, my friends. I'm going to leave that there for now. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Again, he confirms who he is. He started this and he'll end it. You listen, this, this whole coronavirus thing, it's a spiritual battle, my guy, my friend. It's a spiritual battle. Think about that. You can't get one straight answer in this whole thing. Science will tell you we have it down pat. We know exactly how it moves. Then they'll say, oh wait, mutate it. You know, they'll tell you, get your vaccine because this is going to help you out. And I don't want to, you know, minimize this at all, my friends. But then the other day I hear a pastor tell me that one of his uh, people got the vaccine shot and wound up getting COVID. They tell you to get get the shot, but then they tell you, you still got to wear your mask and you still got to stay away from people. No one has an answer. It mutates. It moves. It hides. It's a spiritual force. And as long as we keep on trying to fight this with physical means, guess what? It's like a bar of soap you're trying to grip. It's constantly going to slip and come up somewhere else. Until people are ready to turn from their sin. And surrender to Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the bottom line. That's where deliverance is at. You know, we say we trust Jesus. But don't ask me to trust him to the point where um, I'll die. That's fanaticism. That's being a fanatic. Tell that to the Christians. Hanging on a pole. Dipped in tar. With flames coming up their body. That they were fanatics for standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. That's verse 18. He says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Death and Hades. Hades, another word for hell, right? Or the grave. A place where you go and you don't come back. That's our fear, isn't it? Of death. Isn't that our fear? That we don't know what's on the other side. The unknown fear of the unknown. But he holds the key. See, this is the whole idea with this pandemic. We forget that Jesus holds the key. There are those that, you know, you hear that they passed away. COVID. Then you hear of those that have been diagnosed and have no symptoms. Again, right? A spiritual mystery. We forget that it's Jesus that holds the key to life and Hades, to death and Hades rather. Hades. Hades. What's Hades? Another word for hell a place of separation, a place of eternal separation. No matter who it is right now, even if they don't believe in God, and even if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, are still benefiting from God's mercy and grace. Because the Bible tells me that the sun shines on the righteous as well as the unrighteous, doesn't it? So any type of goodness that they experience in their life is coming from God, whether they accept it, receive it, or confess it or not. So could you imagine being in a place where you are eternally separated from that goodness? Where there is nothing good. An eternal place that that in itself is a fire that burns worse than any flame we could imagine here on earth. I know many churches don't preach about hell anymore. And if I'm offending you, I'm sorry. But that's the truth. Maybe they should preach more about this. Maybe they should talk more about this stuff. Get people to turn to God not out of fear but out of love that he's provided a way out of that 19 write therefore what you have seen what is now what will take place later the mystery of the seven stars now now this is what i was saying before right as i was studying every oh the lampstand stands for this the lampstand stands for that the stars stand for this the stars stand listen the bible is self-explanatory this week as I prayed, I said, God, give me wisdom. You know what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart? He said, wisdom is simple. Wisdom is simple. Listen, knowledge is something you study a lot for, right? Sometimes we do that just to impress other people. Show them how much we know. But wisdom is simple. You could It's so simple that you could trip over it. And the Bible is self-explanatory here. In verse 20, it tells us what those lampstands are. The mystery of the seven lampstands, or the seven stars rather, that you saw in my hands, or in my hand, and of the seven golden lampstands is this, right? He's going to tell them now. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, an angel is a messenger, right? A messenger, So, what does a pastor do? Bring the what? Message. The message, right? Preaches the message of God. So, this is referring to either the pastors or the bishops of those areas at that time. Nothing complicated there, is there? And then he says, uh, um, "And the seven lampstands are what? The seven churches." In those areas there. Simple. There's nothing complicated about that. God has a message for His church. Jesus Christ addresses these seven churches with these letters of commendation, of criticism, and of consolation, and of correction. But these letters were not just written for the church of old. They're written for the church of all time. They're written for us today. So this part of Revelation reveals the heart of Jesus for his whole entire church. So the next few weeks, God willing, will start this journey of knowing Jesus' heart for his church. With the letter to Ephesus being our first place of visit. So uh, unless you don't find this interesting, I I suggest that you take the journey with us next week as we travel to Ephesus to find out what their lifestyles were like and what the message of Jesus was to that church and how does that apply to the church today. So with that said, um, let's close in prayer and let's thank God for this. um, That's just the introduction guys. Get ready. I'm going on a trip.
0: That concludes part one of Pastor Joe's series, Knowing Jesus' Heart. We hope and pray that Holy Spirit has inspired you to live for Jesus even more. If you'd like to support Walking With Jesus podcast, then please be sure to look us up online at beaumontfmc.org. There you will find out more about our church, community, church building project, and financial support. You can also find us on YouTube at Beaumont FMC to watch the full versions of our Sunday church services by Pastor Joe. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next time on Walking with Jesus podcast.